You you go for okay. it. Hey there, and welcome to the first episode of Growing Pain. I'm Jace. And I'm Jen. And we are the Jen and Jace duo. Uh, we have a website. We've had a website for a little while now, and this is our first foray. Is that a word? Foray? Yeah. First foray. It sounds fancy. Um, into the podcasting world, at least for you and I. Well, that's not entirely no, true. it's not true. It's not true at all. We've been on other podcasts. <laughs> we're veterans. No. No, we're not veterans. Jace is the veteran. I'm a newbie. Well, sort of. I mean, we've had we've had our moments. It's usually about like lifestyle and gaming and other ha- and other things that we used to be able to do before we had a child. Anyway, from if you hadn't been able to tell from the picture of the podcast, it's our daughter. This podcast is about children and life, parenthood, parenthood, birth, and uh, raising a baby and everything in between. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this isn't particularly original. You know, there's lots of podcasts out there that do the same sort of thing. Yeah. This, like, unfiltered, raw, the true story. But, like, at the same point... Well, I mean, you and I have watched, like, a lot of YouTube of people uh, We've about... never watched more YouTube videos than we've we've had since we've had this baby. Absolutely. And, you know, we're watching YouTube videos of, like, people saying, you know... Um, Sort of a, a real representation of what it's like to raise a baby and, yeah. and what, what a day in the life of a mum looks like and so on. And then, you know, 10 minutes or five minutes even in, it's just like, all right, at 11 p.m. or a.m., sorry, yeah. at 11 a.m., I put on my makeup. Yeah, like, I mean, all these mothers that, um, I mean, like they, and, and they could, you know, the fact that they could do it, uh, hats off to them, but they start off the video in full makeup and they look so put together and if they are i i really really admire you and um i think amazing but that's definitely not the case for me but we'll get into that later well you don't even have like enough time to like go to the bathroom or wash your hair from time to time yeah i mean the the amount of things that i can do i can count on one hand and i really have to just it's I choose what I can do in a day and usually those are the fundamental basic things that a human needs to do um, and those are the things that if I have time I get to do and other, or otherwise I have to pick and choose whether I want to shower or eat. I feel like we've like dived right into almost like this <laughs> therapy session where we just want to talk about what a real day is having a having in this case a three month old almost four months right? Yes. Almost four How months. How long before the four months? I should know this. I don't know this. Uh, she's 16 weeks, so nearly uh, 17 weeks. So for a long time, we were counting the weeks because that's what the cards said to do. We got these cards where the you like the, mar- well, the milestone cards where yeah. you put a card. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Just to clarify, my name is Jason Payne. <laughs> <laughs> this is my wife. Jen. And we have a daughter, Jade Payne. Yes. P-A-Y-N-E, hence the name of the podcast, Going yeah. Pain, play on words, but also taking care of a child can be a pain. Yes. Um, so, you know, it all kind and of... And hopefully she's growing. And hopefully she's growing, <laughs> which is what you want. So it all makes sense. It's yeah. a fantastic name. It, it, we, it, We're we, really breaking down the, the name thing. of the podcast. It's important because you're going to be hearing Growing Pain a lot, or at least reading it a lot. Um, and yeah, it's... We decided to do this because we don't get a lot of time, you and I anymore. We, we definitely don't get a lot of time to do Jen and Jace, which was primarily a food blog. Mm. And 
you know, all of a sudden the things that you love to do. My mm. my big love was playing video games. Yeah. And your big love is eating going, all the delicious foods. Right, yeah. Going to restaurants and bars and cafes and all that. Um, and we used to do that a lot. Yeah. And now we don't do that a lot. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. I think our time has definitely um, been... The amount of time that we get has obviously decreased, but um, we also have different priorities. Um and it's about maximizing the amount of time doing the things that we need to do. And when we get the very little time that we can use, um, you know, discretionarily, we are choosing to do this podcast. Yeah. Like, I mean, of the free time that we do have, I suppose we like watch TV and movies, but it's just because it can kind of go hand in hand with taking care of a child. Yeah. And just to be clear, our child, mm-hmm. Jade Payne, is currently strapped to me using an Ergo Air Mesh Baby 360, $350. I don't know how much it was. I think it was expensive. Um, uh, baby carrier. Yeah. Because that's the way that our baby sleeps best. Best. Mm. Um, and sleep is a whole podcast. We're not going to get into that. Sleep is the big topic for us at the moment, for ourselves and for our child. Mm. But we will save that for another time. This is just an introductory episode to sort of understand who we are and a little bit of a therapy session for us as well. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there is so much to cover in terms of having a baby and um, being new parents, which we are. Um, this is our first baby. And I think... Um, there is so much to unpack, but like it really just depends on what you know. If there are even any listeners out there, um, out there, what people want to hear about. But we we could talk about just uh, any topic for a number of hours because there's just so much to learn, and um, and we've been learning, you know, way even before she was born. But um, there's always new things. And so much information out there, even if it's conflicting sometimes. Absolutely. There is definitely a lot of conflicting info out there. I don't know if this is necessarily going to be like a self-help or how to raise your baby. I know it's a very generic thing that I'm about to say, but there is no one-stop shop for how to raise a baby. There's no one way to raise a baby. Um, you will absolutely have a lot of moments where if you are thinking about having children or you have children already, um, you know, where... You think you've figured something out. You think, oh, I'm the miracle worker. I, you know, I'm Dr. Sleep. I was able to make my child fall asleep because I watched this five-minute video (laughs) tutorial from, you know, from some guy. I've forgotten his name. He's actually very good. He wrote a book on it um, about how to put your child to sleep. You put them in this pose and, you know, you swaddle and you shush and they suck and they do this and that. And you know what? Like those, at times, those things will work and... Mm but you will trick yourself into believing that those little techniques are going to work every time. Yeah, and, and that's every definitely day. not the case. It's not the case. Every day is different. Yeah. Um, I guess at the moment this is probably coming across as <laughs> having a child not being a positive thing. Um, the positives absolutely outweigh the negatives. We're not forced to say that mm. because there are also obviously a lot of moments that that you know are terrible as well but um and and it's true they just are like yeah we just want to be as honest and unfiltered as possible and i i definitely know that um a lot of parents go through difficult and challenging times and i'm not saying that we have the most challenging time by any means but i think it's good knowing that there are parents out there that experience the same thing and that's why i think it's good to have this podcast 
even if it's something that somebody out there can relate to, I know that when I've had difficult times, all I wanted was to hear similar stories so that I know that I'm not alone in this situation. Um, and that's my main reason for wanting to do this so that people out there can sort of relate. Yeah, and mm. it's also for us. Yeah. So with this introductory episode and with this very sort of frantic beginning to the podcast, um, if it isn't apparent already, there is no real structure. Mm. Um, Jen and I are just going to chat about what's going on. Um, our child at the moment, who is in the carrier that I was just mentioning a moment ago, uh, moment ago, um, has moments where she will wake up either mm. because I'm speaking too much or because she's uncomfortable and she will tilt her head back and just stare up at me. Um, I'll, I'll try and include a, a picture of this on Jen and Jay so that you have an understanding of what I see. Um, I would be very curious to see what she sees. She probably just sees a double chin, to be quite honest. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like she's, she's having one of those little moments now. And it's, I have a very small window of opportunity in this moment to be able to put, put our just, child back to sleep, yeah. which involves vigorous patting of the butt <laughs> um, and just praying. Just general general <laughs> prayer hopes that the Crossing sleep goes out there. Crossing fingers and toes. Um, but she's not particularly keen right now that I'm speaking. Mm. Um, so I'm going to be quiet for a moment. And mm. what we might get into... Hello there. What we might get into is just a little bit of the birthing story. Sure. And how it came to be and what you thought and felt and, and so on. Yeah. Um, so I think when I was sort of... Um, well, when I was pregnant, I was reading and researching a lot about... Um, birth and delivery because I guess when you're pregnant that was the first biggest hurdle right I mean before you can go into parenthood the the delivery of your baby is the thing that scared me the most and and I'm sure a lot of um mothers out there can relate um so for me you know reading about different people's experiences helped me it didn't scare me and a lot of the stories even though are sound sounded quite traumatic um didn't scare me because he really gave me a wide array of experiences to refer to um and what i mean obviously i had an, an obstetrician and the conversations that i've had with her are around me just having an open mind and being as flexible as possible um i knew i wanted to have uh um a natural vaginal delivery um it's not something that i was very very insistent on obviously i um, preferred not to have a cesarean or a c-section um but if it came to that and a lot of the times it's not up to me it was up to the position of the baby if there was an emergency so i knew that um i shouldn't have held on to any sort of um or cling on to any high hopes that um i was definitely going to have a vaginal delivery um, so when it came to close to my delivery date, um, the, we checked with the obstetrician and my baby's head was sort of down in the correct position for a vagina delivery. So that was a plus, I guess, for what I um, had intended. And then um, I guess all I had to do was wait for the contractions to start. And boy, did they start. <laughs> um uh, they they started off sort of pre um, what they call early uh, early labor signs. So the contractions just sort of felt like mild period cramps for anyone who's had experience in that, um, which is sort of like a lower abdominal pain. Um, and I was 
sort of in that um, mild contraction stage for about a day and then they just went away completely and then that night I started experiencing quite intense contractions. Um, I used to have really bad period cramps um, so I knew I guess the different levels of contractions, um, the level of intensity and um, I got my app which timed you know, how, how often the contractions were happening. And they were sort of um, coming in at about eight minute intervals for about one to one and a half minute each. So normally when that happens, you, you're sort of getting quite close to uh, the arrival of the baby. Um, and when I was having these intense contractions, which um, when I my obstetrician checked, I was already two centimeters dilated. Um, so I think that's when I entered in the active labor stage. And I was in active labor for about two days, I think, before, or maybe about one and a half days before I actually delivered Jade. Um, I the hospital usually don't recommend you going in quite early, so they wanted you to sort of be um, experiencing contractions very regularly at about five-minute intervals. And honestly, if anybody ever says to you, I'll try to get some rest while you have contractions at five-minute intervals, they are joking. I mean, I don't know about you, but try sleeping every five minutes and then waking up to intense pain. I just don't think anybody could actually do that. I certainly couldn't. So I was pretty much up all night. Um, and during the day, obviously, I couldn't rest either. So I called my hospital and I told them that I, even if I couldn't come in to stay, I wanted some pain relief, if that's possible. Um, now, I hear a lot of women's experiences saying, you know, try and breathe through the pain, um, sit on a, a gym ball, bounce around, have hot showers, all these things that you could do that, um, you know, doesn't require sort of medication for you to relieve pain. Um, I tried all of them and honestly, none of them worked. And I just think that, you know, if you're about to have a baby, you know, come out of your uterus. Um, I just don't think breathing through it is is one of those things that would help. I mean, certainly for me, I was just, um, you know, cursing all the people that ever said that. Um, and yeah, so I, I decided to go to the hospital for some pain relief. Um, and when we got there, um, they said that I was only still about two to three centimeters dilated, which is usually... Um, when they send you home um, and I said, please, before you send me home, I want some pain relief. So they monitored um, the baby on the CTG machine, um, which is like a machine they strap to your belly. It to monitors the heartbeat, right? Yeah, monitors the baby's heartbeat and also your contractions. Um, and I guess I was lucky and they told me that I could probably stay um, while they figured out what pain relief I wanted and could give to me. So I guess when I did go into the hospital, that was pretty much it, that we were in there for the long haul. Yeah, it, it was interesting because they you do these um, these online classes which are called antenatal classes. Mm. Um, they used to have a different name. What was it? The There was another yeah. name for it. Um, it was like postnatal classes or something. Yeah. 
um, I'm not prenatal, sure. prenatal yeah. <laughs> post disaster. Um, you're going to have to forgive both of us for getting not, a lot yeah. of things wrong. Yeah. Where we're running on the smallest amount of sleep, my yeah. wife more so, but uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that might need some fact checking. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell the story as best as we can. Um, but yeah, you know, we did these classes online, and we, we obviously had our had our child during COVID. Mm. Um, uh, if you're listening to this much later on, a uh, you know a global yeah. pandemic um, that uh, that prevented us from being able to actually go in and meet people in in person. So we had to do it online via Zoom. Yeah, uh, and you know they tell you that the hospital is going to turn you away. Yeah, they're going to turn you away if, if you're, you're coming early. in, if you're too early, if you're two, three centimeters or so on. So when we went in there and being told that you were, you know, two to three centimeters long, we fully expected that we would be turned around. We would we would have to turn around and go home. Yeah. Which is not what you want to do at that point. Definitely not. No. Um, but I don't know. The the way that they approached it is they didn't really give us a lot of information. They were just like, oh, you're not going anywhere. And they didn't say that to us. We had to ask. We're like, what, like what's actually happening here? Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, no, you're here now. You're here until the child was born. <laughs> which is crazy because... It really was quite early. Like, I mean, I, I it wasn't early in the sense that um, it was sort of like I was already week forty, so it was full term. Um, it was you know week forty is pretty much um, as bang on as you can get. Um, in fact, she she was delivered on her delivery due date, which I, I hear um, is quite rare. Um, but I think we we went in with the expectation that we were going to get turned away, and and I wasn't one of those people that was like, no, you, unless you give me pain relief, or I am not going to like, you're going to have to like drag me out the door. Like I was ready <laughs> to go back home, despite how much pain I was in. Um, I wasn't going to obviously put up a fight or anything. But when they strapped me into the CTG machine, we were there for a couple of hours. And then they came back and were like, so are we going to be released? Or And then the nurse just said, oh, no, you're going to be here until the child is born. Um, but we were ready because obviously we had our baby bag packed um, and brought it to the hospital just in case anything did like that did happen, which it did. So we were sort of prepared. <laughs> I, think, I think that we were certainly prepared. I just guess it, we were reminded time and time again that, you know, if you do come in early, mm. that there is a very good chance that they're going to say, go home, yeah. go for a walk, yeah. try these breathing exercises, you know, and, and so on. And, and, you know, before even coming in, we had an app that was timing your contractions. Yeah. Um, and I mean, look, again, this is probably a bigger story still just in terms of like how you dealt with those contractions. Contractions can have their own episode. Yeah. Um, obviously, of which I will be doing very little talking other than seeing it from my perspective or hearing it, sorry, hearing it from my perspective. But yeah, it was it was kind of, I guess, a relief for both of us that we weren't going to leave because oh, it meant yeah. that it was at the home stretch yeah. and we're in the place that has the drugs, so we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, give me all the drugs. Um, I think... I was definitely relieved because going home meant that I had to face whatever it is for however long it was um, with Jason and sort of no medical help or pain relief. So anyway, the, the, the thing is I was happy I was there, strapped to the machines, um, you know, with pain relief sort of imminent. Um, and And that's when like the nurse sort of stepped me through what the available options are in terms of pain relief. Um, obviously I was already told about the different options by my obstetrician. Um, and I guess I just wanted to see what my body could handle. Um, 
again, I'm not one of those people that was like totally against um, sort of chemical pain relief, you know, whether it's, it might be like um, morphine or epidural, which is like the strongest one you can have. Um, I wasn't against epidural at all. In fact, I was happy to go for it whenever I could. Um, but obviously, I think at the back of my head, I was I was thinking, oh, I wonder, I'm wondering what my body can handle. So I started from the bottom, which is Endone? Endone? Well, technically, the bottom is meant to be the gas. Oh, yeah, which I just thought. You just were like, no, my pain level is higher than this gas. And, you know, we obviously asked people before we went in, and they're like, oh, you know, the gas is like all right, but it really is just a placebo. It just tricks you into believing that you're getting some sort of relief. It helps with breathing, which is a big part of, you know, obviously giving birth, I've heard. Um, But, yeah, no, you went went endone first, which is a. It's like it was tablets, wasn't it? Um, yes. Like I really, think, really strong Panadol, basically. Yeah, so I, I, forgive me because I can't actually remember um, much of the specific details, but Endone, I believe, was tablet form, which I took. Um, I didn't go for the gas because I heard that the gas made people feel dizzy and, and, um, I do actually naturally in everyday life feel nauseous more than other people. So I'll, I'll get like um, nauseous on airplanes, for example, and on boats. Funnily enough, no morning sickness really though. Yeah, my, my morning sickness. I mean, I definitely had morning sickness, but I, it wasn't so bad that I ever threw up. Yeah. Um, so I was very, very thankful for that. But I heard that um, uh, gas or laughing gas or whatever it is called that they gave you. I don't know what they call it. They just call it gas, um, yeah. Um, made you really nauseous and that's why I didn't want to go for it Um, so I went straight for the endone um, and that made me after I had it that made me feel really like not sick but I definitely felt nauseous and I was throwing up straight away Um, I try to eat obviously you have to keep your energy levels up so I was trying to eat um, threw everything up and then from then on, I was pretty much just drinking um, ice-cold water. And every time I drank water, um, I was throwing it up after about 20 minutes. And um, it gave me the shakes as well. So I didn't realize this until I got up to go to, to pee that I was shaking uncontrollably. Um, and it was just a crazy combination of shaking intense contraction pain and throwing up and just being absolutely exhausted. Um, So that was the first pain relief they gave me, which did not help. In fact, it made me feel really, really bad. Um, I also had really bad reflux. So every time I threw up, just it was horrible. Um, It was like my esophagus was burning up every time I threw up. Um, So I think... After they gave me the pain, uh, the endone for a few hours to see if it worked, I told the nurse that um, it did definitely didn't make the contractions any less painful. Um, so we moved on to morphine. Yep. I think morphine was the next one, which is um, came in a drip form. So they hooked me up to a drip and um, fed the morphine through. And that also did not work. <laughs> the, the funny thing about morphine is um, that 
anybody who, and we, we have a friend who's a nurse, but just people in general, everyone's experience on morphine is like, this is the best thing ever. Oh, it's it's going to yeah. make you feel euphoria and it's going to alleviate the pain. And, you know, it's, it's going to make you feel relaxed and take the edge off and, and so on. There was always, somebody was always saying about taking the edge off something. Yeah. Um, but it absolutely didn't do that. And, and there are dangers with morphine, possibly more so, maybe not more so, but in a different way to the epidural. Because if you um, give birth to the baby... At, at the peak of morphine, and morphine lasts approximately four hours. Um, if you if you gave birth at the two hour mark, your your baby will come out floppy, uh, essentially, which is yeah. actually how I was born. I learned that I came out floppy, and I just assumed that that was just something that happened. But clearly, my mum was on the morphine um, or <laughs> or some sort of drugs, um, and and so yeah, th- there were those concerns for us. Mm. And you know, we we had been educated in advance about. Um, what these drugs were going to do, what it meant, what potential dangers and the side and effects. Side effects that's, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it turned out that at that time, morphine was probably the right way to go because, you know, you were only, what, three, four centimeters yeah. maybe at that point? I wasn't that far along, um, even though I f- it felt like time was going, you know, so slowly. Um, I, I, was, I wasn't that far along, but I... Morphine was the sort of the next level up um, after the endone. And um, because of we've been hearing how powerful morphine is and how effective it could be, I thought like this could really, really be the one before I had to give in to the epidural. But because I had such bad reactions to the morphine, which is I throw up even more, um, I basically wasn't able to keep anything down, including water. Um, my shakes were increasing and the level of pain from the contractions did not in, did not decrease. Now, when I told the nurse this, they thought, like, it's crazy that the morphine didn't have any effect. May, they thought maybe it did take the edge off, but by then, because my contractions were only increasing intensity, it didn't feel like that to me. Plus throwing up all the time and having an empty stomach. Mm. You know, it, it's hard to look at it as being something that was working for you. It, it clearly yeah. wasn't. And and maybe that was my body's way of sort of um, combating the the drug that was sort of given into me. Like maybe that's why I was throwing up all the time. I was my body wasn't used to having so much um, chemical uh, pain relief, I guess. Um, and and maybe that me throwing up the throwing up meant that I was throwing up whatever morphine was coming i don't i don't know how it works medically obviously i'm not a medical professional but honestly it just felt like it wasn't working at all and i was only feeling worse because of the number of hours that was sort of going by and i was getting more and more exhausted i think by then i was running on zero sleep um and we were at about the 48 hour mark so it's been two days i haven't had any sleep um been experiencing um increasing pain and just haven't had any food. Like I've had food and just couldn't keep it down. Water couldn't keep it down. So um, after the a few hours, the morphine, um, after taking the morphine for a couple of hours, I told the nurse that um, it, it wasn't really working out and um, how long before I can have my epidural was basically my biggest concern. You, you held out a lot longer than you think you did. Okay. And, you know, we went in in like maybe early afternoon. Yeah. 
um, you know, let's say around 2 p.m. would possibly be fair. Yeah. And, you know, after you'd had the endo and the morphine, you know, we were getting on to almost 2 a.m. Right. by then. And this was the period of time where I wasn't really sure what my involvement should be, you know. Um, we were both incredibly exhausted and you more so obviously because of everything that you'd gone through but you'd also really been up if you think about it for a couple of days at that point yeah you hadn't really been sleeping properly because no. you know you you were getting closer and closer to giving birth and by extension a combination of worry and mm. just me not being able to sleep as well you know it, it we we both been up for a long time and so because you were only x amount of centimeters along you know it was mm. again th- about three or so from memory um and the the it is all a little bit foggy mm. i thought you know what i'm going to go home and get some sleep yeah we're in a room i wasn't able to get any sleep i'm not a guy who can just sleep sitting up in a chair i'm i'm six foot three four yeah. i don't even know how tall i am um but i did i don't fit anywhere no and so i thought you know what i'm going to quickly jump in an uber i'm going to go home get a little bit of sleep and go from there and at this point you were waiting for your water to break because it hadn't broken yet no and so that was the big one for me as well. Obviously, the water breaks, it's you know, it's the sign that it must be soon, right? Yeah. So I think I got home, I had a shower because it had been so long. I'd mm. just gotten into bed and then, you know, even then I wasn't able to actually fall asleep because no, I'm still high on adrenaline and you know and and then I got a call from you and you said, I think my water is broken. No, no, no. I said I think I lost my mucus plug. Right. What what is a mucus plug? So a mucus plug is basically like a, a mucusy um plug. <laughs> it's it's like a membrane of some sort that's very mucusy that um if you think about like your cervix, it kind of acts like a stopper it's it's almost like a lid i don't know how many people think about this service but yeah <laughs> um it it's it, it, it works like a lid like a cork yeah 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 like a cork like a gross slimy exactly cork um and basically that, like holds the baby in holds the baby in and um sort of stops any bacteria from getting in right. and obviously from any amniotic fluids from getting out and all of those things um so the plug is very important. And once you lose the plug, which um, I think you'll definitely know if you do because it comes out as kind of like a mucusy, sticky, gooey thing. Like a ball? Um, kind of like a flat um, dish thing. But like by the time you lose it, it might like a not... a small pancake. Yeah, it, it might not look like that by the time you lose it because it, it might come out in bits and bobs. And, I never got to see this thing. Right. Maybe I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Um, um, it, but, it could, you know, range in different different colors from like sort of reddish to like brownish. Um, and Could you like confuse it for like a blood clot or something or not really? No, it's it's not meant to be bright red. When when it's bright red, um, you should definitely call your GP, uh, sorry, your um, obstetrician or the hospital or emergency. Um, it should be sort of like a dark-ish color. Um, mine was brown. So I knew that it was my mucus plug because it it looked like what it had been described to me. And by that point, like, I wasn't sure if my water was broken. I heard that for the first birth, the water is not that easily broken and usually needs a bit of, um, sort of help for it to be broken. So usually, um, the water is broken by, um, the, the midwives or the nurses. Um, but I knew that once I had lost my mucus plug, we, we were truly and truly, true well 
underway in terms of like where I'm supposed to be. So I called Jason and I said, I think I lost my mucus plug. Um, so whatever happens from here might, you know, sort of kick into gear. You might want to start heading back to the hospital. Yeah. And I mean, I guess at that point, uh, you know, maybe it was like 4am. Um, you know, it's hard to say, but, but yeah, you know, I, I got back and I don't really think the whole process of having an epidural began until maybe 6 or 7 a.m. Yeah. Because they said to us, look, can you wait? Mm. Because uh, it was the on-call anaesthetist. Anaesthetist. Yep. Um, it was an on-call doctor who was doing that. And they wanted me to see if I could wait until um, the doctor was no longer on-call and was actually at the hospital. Yeah, it's like imagine, you know, I don't know, you're working in retail or just anywhere really and your shift is almost over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that last minute you've got this customer who like walks through the door and says, oh, I want help with, you know, this, this, this and I want that. help with delivering a baby. I want help with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're working in retail and somebody comes in and says, I want you to deliver my baby. Um, you know, and I mean, look, Jen's having a baby, you know, we'll do whatever. But at the same point, like, I think just part of our nature is like, oh, no, we don't want that guy to have to go through that, <laughs> that particular, you know, that particular call. I'm sure he gets paid very well. He or she gets yeah. paid very well. They seem to mainly be guys, though, the anaesthetists. Yeah. Um, at least the ones that we encountered. But we had to wait until 6 or 7 a.m. for yeah. our amazing anaesthetist to come in. Yeah. And... um and I, I'm normally a very easygoing person. And honestly, I thought that I was going to turn into this sort of crazy, psychotic monster. It's going to be a very primal thing as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but I, like even when you know I was going through so much pain, I was completely exhausted, throwing my guts out. When the nurse was like, Do, "Would you mind waiting for the the <laughs> the anaesthetist to, you know, not be on call and to come into the hospital?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll wait." Just as, <laughs> as if I was waiting for like somebody on the phone, and I was just being put on hold. Um, I think I was just so exhausted that I was gonna go along with anything anyone says. It's part says. of your nature to be that way, though, as well. Like you're you're a super chill person, and even in giving birth to a child and being in intense pain, you were chill. Like as a contrast, like when my mother was giving birth to me, and I only I only know this because I just I hear these stories so much from like family friends. But apparently, she um, threw a plate of sandwiches at one of the nurses because <laughs> it wasn't like cut the right way or it wasn't like enough food. It, oh, it wasn't epidural. <laughs> it wasn't epidural, yeah. My mum threw a plate of sandwiches because it wasn't an epidural. She wanted the drugs. Um, but you, on the other hand, were just like, yeah, we'll wait. Yeah. And like, I remember you looked at me like, are you cool with waiting? I'm just like, yeah, man, whatever you want to do. Like, <laughs> I, if she wants to wait, we'll wait. I think I was just so reliant on the health professionals. Obviously, I trust them. Um, we are so lucky to be in a country where, you know, we can just have amazing medical attention we, we should also just say in case you hadn't figured out and you're listening internationally and you hadn't been able to tell from our accents we are in Australia, we're in sydney australia yeah yeah we're in sydney australia um and i went through um through my private health insurance i, I went for a private hospital experience yep so um i delivered at Westmead private um where everybody was just so professional and made the experience um a thousand times easier than i could possibly ask for um so i think i was just trusting everything 
to to the professionals. I mean, it's not like I was going to turn around and be like, no, like you give me the encore doctor right now because I need the, you know, the jab in my back like in the next five seconds. The jab. It wasn't a jab, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so, I mean, I have... I have been in pain for the last, what, like over 12 hours, you know, what's another couple of hours? I mean, it's a long time to be in pain, but, um, but that's what we decided to do. And, um, the, the, the weight was just, it was crazy. The epidural is the big one. And I know I, I can certainly tell it from my perspective of what I saw, because at that point, again, you had been up a ridiculous amount of time days it feels like mm. and you know you've been in hospital for you know what almost 24 hours by that point yeah. um and so we we're getting there anyway and so i know what i saw and what i experienced i also saw your face and how you were mm. and i'm but what like what do you remember about the epidural the first epidural <laughs> um so the epidural was an experience um i am not a person who's scared of needles um i definitely was not objecting to epidurals um in any way so i was happy to get it and um honestly it was probably the least of my concerns when i was thinking about delivering the baby so for me it was just like okay what's next um none of the pain relief has been working this is the last frontier right the epidural is the last frontier i don't think they could give me anything else after if the epidural don't work so i put all my chips on the epidural um, and I just didn't really have any um, like major fears about it. My main fear was that what if it doesn't work, right? This is the last frontier. Um, if it doesn't work, I'm just going to have to wait it out and push this baby out on my own, which I could not imagine doing. So so I was just like, get it in me and let's see what happens. That's how you got into this situation, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I was just like, whatever you need to do, just do it. And um, you don't have to like be scared. I'm not certainly scared about um, having this. I, I just need to say you should have been scared. Like okay. that needle is the, I'm, I mean, I'm all right. I'm not great with like little tiny needles even, but this was like a dagger in your back. Yeah. The needle is long. It's huge. It's thick. None of these things you're used to. And like, it's just <laughs> like watching that go in. Yeah. Like I almost... Cried. Cried. I can't believe that you you were able to... I just can't believe So it. if anyone out there is concerned having an epidural because of the pain or the thought of having a big needle in your back, like, I'm just going to come out and say it. Like, it was the least of my concerns and it was the most, like, none... It was the most chill experience if you can even call it that well that's because you've been throwing up all night and you've been dealing with like effectively somebody trying to like punch their way out of your stomach (laughs) yeah and and so when that time came and you're so sleep deprived and you already feel like you're on death's door yeah and they're just like we're going to shove a big dagger in your back that's maybe going to work for you like yeah let's do it I, i was just waiting for them i was just waiting for one of my contractions to finish so that they could properly do this because my only concern was what if I was experiencing a painful contraction while they're inserting the needle. Obviously, um, you know, an extreme level of precision is needed and you need to be still. And they say, like, you can't really move around. um, And, you know, like, even if it's one milliliter to the left or right, I'm I'm sure none of this is reassuring. But, like, if they needed to be in an exact spot for it to work really, really well, right? 
So I would just concentrating on being as still as I can. I honestly couldn't even feel the needle going in. I was so exhausted that you have to be in a certain position for it to go in. So you sort of have to be crouched like almost like you're bending you're, forward. You're sitting on the edge of the bed, yeah. but you have to like have sort of a hunch with yeah. you and then you can't move. Yeah. And then you're sort of holding this pillar. I mean, I don't know if they, if they do this everywhere, but I was holding this pillar and I was thinking to myself, man, if I'm not experiencing contractions, I could literally fall in, fall asleep right now while the needle is going in. I could not even feel a thing. So that was not my concern at all. But my concern did um, eventuate um, into the nightmare that is the epidural did not work. But that was never on our radar. Like it was never, uh, you know, and and when I say our, and I I need to apologize maybe to, you know, other mothers and stuff out there that, you know, but we both went through this together in a different way. Mm. Jen absolutely had the worst of it. I wouldn't be able to do what she did whole new respect for women that you can really only um you can really only take on or or really only see when you watch somebody trying to give birth and have to go through through the process of of giving birth to a child but we both did go through this together Mm. like and i don't know like i was banking on this relieving all of your Mm. your problems like i you know this is not about taking taking anything away from this story or, or from what you're doing but you know, I left the room a couple of times and cried because I had never felt I never felt this way for another person before. Mm. Like I saw how much discomfort and how much pain you were going through and it broke me. Mm. Like and I I always feel like, you know, if you're ever unhappy or sad or if there's, you know, any problems that there's at least something, a little bit of something that I can do to be able to possibly make it better. Yeah. Um but this was completely outside of my control mm. and you know, I felt like it had been such a bad run so far with everything that you tried that mm. how could this not work? Mm. The epidural is the thing that everyone says is the big drug and is going to yeah. make all your problems go away. You know, we didn't. I didn't think for a moment that this wasn't going to work. No, and neither did I. And um, I guess I like a little bit of that fear did creep in after the endone and the morphine didn't work and I had such bad reactions to it. I think in the back of my head I was thinking, oh my God, what if we went three for three and the epidurals don't work? I don't know what I'm going to do. Have you even heard of a story where an epidural doesn't work though? Like you, you'd obviously been researching a, a lot mm. about this beforehand. Were there stories that you'd read where people said the epidural didn't work? I, I didn't hear any stories about how people had it and then it didn't work. I just heard people have bad experiences with epidurals like they would shake uncontrollably um they would get the shivers and um you know obviously in really extreme cases you know it went horribly wrong i mean that was very very rare obviously but nobody ever said oh like i took the epidural and um it had zero effect on me obviously i'm sure it would have happened to somebody um i just didn't think it would happen to me and um uh, all I remember was asking the anesthetist, "How long does it should it take for this for this to kick in?" And he said, "Oh, about twenty minutes." And by that point, I was like, "Okay, I think we're at the twenty minute mark. Maybe I'll give it another ten minutes." And then I thought that for about an hour, and I said, "I'm I'm still feeling the exact same level of pain. The epidural should have kicked in." And the anesthetist said. Um, he he gave us two options, which is one, just sort of 
keep increasing the dosage or, or doubling like the dosage. You could dosage. do a little like button yeah. press. Yeah. Um, he said, I could either double the dosage if the dosage is the issue or the other option, which is a bit more difficult, is I have to take everything out again and reinsert the epidural. Um, obviously, he didn't he preferred not to do that um, because um, if you've ever had an epidural before, like it's a whole process. They have to tape up everything on your back so that it doesn't move around. Um, so obviously they have to redo all of that, take the epidural thing out. Um, it takes time. And obviously, you know, the second time is not a guarantee that it'll work either, but obviously it's something that we could try. And so by that time, I should say I was already eight centimeters dilated. Um, we're trying to get to 10, right? Yeah, we're trying to get to 10. And he said, you know, if you're close to nine centimeters dilated, or if you're already nine centimeters dilated, I probably wouldn't recommend reinserting the epidural. But f- because I was, he was seeing how pain, how in pain I was. And I was like, please do whatever it takes. I don't care. I just need the epidural to work. The, the thing that was amazing was that before you made a decision about what to do next, there were lots of things that he was sort of trying. And, and he, he said that, look, this... He said to us that this doesn't happen very often. No. But the way that he presented it, I think he was just trying to make us feel good. The look on his face is what I should say, is that it's as if it had never happened ever before to him. Yeah. And... It, Maybe he hasn't. Well, look, he, he... I mean, I don't know if it's the best thing to say, oh, this has never happened before. Like, it's not what a, a you know expectant mother I, I is remember, going to... I remember you asking, have this ever happened before? And he said, oh, look, um, it's very rare, which I think it was his way of saying it's never happened to me before, but yeah. I'm sure it has. It has happened to somebody, yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think ever hearing... Um, you know, I don't think ever hearing like, no, this has never happened before because it would make you panic. It was just like, oh my God, we're going into uncharted territory. He doesn't know what he's doing. But it was funny because he was like feeling your toes and tapping on your knee. Mm. And he was saying like, where do you feel like, can you feel this? Can you feel that? And what he discovered was that one side of your body was more numb than the other. And so the funniest thing was he said, oh, we'll just rotate you. Like you were like a rotisserie chicken or something. We're going to rotate you to one side to let all of the fluid leak to the yeah. other part of your body. Yeah. And I was just like, and I said to him, like, is that a real thing? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and he explained it to us. And he was just like, you know, if you really think about it, like the liquid is all on this side, it's pulling it's up. Gravity. You've got to move. It's gravity, man. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to pull, pull it all onto the other side. Yeah. Um, and it was just, he was amazing. Like, but he was treating you like you were a problem. And yeah. what I mean by a problem is it was just like it was a puzzle to solve. Yeah. He's just like, all right, let's try turning you this way. You know, he went away. He said, I'm going to go away and I'll come back when mm. we're closer. But, you know, the bit of the story you're getting up to is the make or break moment. Like, do we pull this thing out and start again? Mm. Um, or do we just go Wait, for the birth? Yeah. Um, and and you, you obviously went with the... I, I was like, I don't know when I'm going to deliver this baby. I could be at nine centimeters and I could deliver in at 10. But sometimes it takes... Deliver epidural. Yeah, but sometimes it can take hours between nine centimeters and 10 centimeters. And, um, and I was not willing to wait any longer, even though I have been waiting, obviously with none of the pain relief working. That's what I've been doing. Um, and, and our obstetrician wasn't here yet either. No. Um, so I said, please just do the, just do it all again. I don't mind. Um, at least I need to know with the second one, there's a chance of it working because that's the very sliver 
of hope that I'm holding on to. And I was thinking and saying all of this basically delirious because I felt like I was in a state of intense pain but so exhausted and can't fall asleep because I'm in pain but just at that edge of wanting to sleep because I was so exhausted. I was basically slumped over. I remember just being slumped over and having zero energy and just saying, like, let's go for reinsertion. Like, let's do it again. And so that's what he did. He undid everything, took all the tape down, took the first epidural out, whatever it is, um, and then got me to be in that position again where I'm sort of slumped over, reinserted it. Um, Again, I felt nothing. And then I waited and it was the longest 20 minutes I waited and the contractions were still intense. And I was, I remember thinking, wow, this is the second epidural. So there is nothing to go from here. And I'm just going to have to feel this natural job. Yeah, feel this intense pain where I probably will have to pass out from, from so much pain. Um, and then I think maybe about 30 or 40 minutes later, I was slowly feeling like the pain has subsided a little bit. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, it's working. This is, this is what I need. Down to like the last like 10, 20 minutes before you're about to deliver. And all I remember is this wave of relief. And I'm pretty sure I just straight away passed out into like, you, know, you did. Yeah. You did. It's it's not uh, it's obviously not the most flattering moment, you know, in a hospital that has these big bright lights mm. and you know at this point Jen is just like completely pale and she's just half asleep as they're inserting this thing and I I, I stupidly this time watched the anaesthetist insert this this dagger into your back and this is a big needle and apologies again i don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you weren't planning on having children or maybe this is a deterrent from having children um but just to be clear uh an epidural if you don't know is essentially a big giant needle um between uh two parts of your spine the lower back yeah um and it's like threading a needle in this gap and then it effectively numbs the bottom half of your body yes so that when you are giving birth you really can't feel anything um, you do feel the push. Well, well, actually, it's meant to be. Um, it's meant to stop, obviously, stop your contraction pain. But they're meant to sort of dial down the dosage of the epidural when you're pushing, so that you can actually feel what you're Pressure doing. Or, yeah. yeah. But for me, because I was so close, I was already nine centimeters dilated by the time he inserted it the second time. That, um, and because the first 20 minutes after he inserted it the second time, I still felt my intense contractions. So I increased my dosage. Obviously, he was not going to insert a third time. Like, he, Well, there's no time to, right? No, and he wasn't going to try that again. So obviously, if it didn't work the second time, that was not the issue. Like he had no, like it wasn't like he made a mistake reinserting it into a different spot or whatever. Um, it was just my body for some reason was rejecting um, the the epidural, but it did work, and I, I obviously was increasing the dosage because I was so afraid that it wasn't going to work. So by the time it, I was ten centimeters dilated, I could not feel anything down there. I was completely numb from the waist down, um, and that's when my obstetrician showed up and was like, "Okay, we're going to push this baby out. You're not going to feel anything, but we'll we'll." lead you through this 
And you know what? That is probably a story for the next podcast. Um, we really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, it's something that we would like to continue to do. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or just some encouragement to continue this, uh, please email us at podcast at jenandjace.com. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Did you enjoy this? It's been fun. I, I really enjoyed reliving that. <laughs> That horrific. I mean, this moment. is this is the pre-show. You know, the main event. Oh, yeah, the main yeah. event is obviously coming up. It's it's funny as well. Like you and I have been trying to do this podcast for a little while, but you know, as I was saying before, you don't get time to do yeah. anything for yourself. No. And and honestly, I mean, we we probably had a chat about this maybe a couple of weeks to a month ago. Mm. Uh, in fact, I think it was April first that we were we were looking at originally releasing the episode, and we had the the two microphones and 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 the um, recorder set up, yeah. just sitting there to say reminder guys like this is something that you should do or you yeah. want to do but it did, it wasn't out of laziness it wasn't it's just out of having the time to sit down yeah and it, it is it's literally taken us me having jade you know um strapped to strapped to me yeah. the carrier and you know we we had a we had a night where we were able to order in and we had some indian food we had a little bit of wine and you know uh and you know alcohol is a whole another topic when it comes to it comes to children um but yeah, I don't know. This is something that we definitely want to continue doing. So any words of encouragement would be appreciated. Yeah. Um, um, anything that you want to hear about in terms of our experience um, or anything that you want to share in terms of your experience. I love hearing about different people's experiences with, you know, birth, pregnancy, delivery, parenthood. Like I'm super interested in hearing about your experience as well. Um you know, whether you're the mother, the, the, the father, whatever. Like, I, I want to hear, you know. Absolutely. Well, I think that we will wrap this up. Yep. Uh, we don't have a cool catchphrase or a slogan for this yet. It's all still early days. I'm sure we'll come up with something soon. Uh, but you've been listening to Growing Pains. Just a reminder again, it's podcast at jenandjace.com. That's Jen with two N's, J-E-N-N. Uh, and yeah um, you can find us on iTunes uh, you can find us on I think it's called iTunes Apple Podcasts now yeah. uh, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Spotify uh, the whole shebang yeah. uh, so have a listen uh, if you can definitely uh, review yeah. we're not the sort of people who want to say like and subscribe but believe it or not you don't get anywhere unless somebody leaves you a review or at least gives you some sort of constructive criticism yeah whatever comments you would like to make or ask us any questions we really do welcome it and yeah. yeah and we really appreciate people listening to us thank you thank you